Hello, I'm Bradley Callahan. And I'm Michelle Schrader. And this is Fork. Where we find out random knowledge. About the things we find most fascinating. And then... We... Talk about it. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Welcome back. Welcome back. After After a brief holiday break i suppose yeah hiatus (laughs) a lovely holiday hiatus (laughs) we have returned yes we have returned forks in hand ready (laughs) (laughs) forks in hand ready to 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 fork we're we're getting ready to fork you up (laughs) get ready to get forked (laughs) New year, new fork. Uh- new year, new fork. It's the same fork. No- nothing's changed, as is very apparent, I'm sure, by this point. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Did you do anything exciting for your, your new year? Um, My new year celebration, well... This was going to be my fun thing. So I guess I guess we'll go with this. My fun thing. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> is my um very low key new year celebration. Um which was really fun, honestly. Um it was just me nice. and my two other roommates. Um and it was really chill. I really enjoyed it. Um but it was kind of funny because we were so it started out we were all kind of doing our own separate thing and I had watched death to 2020 remotely okay um with like remotely at the same time with the one and only nick my my person nick um which watch it it's so funny yeah i've heard mixed things i i really enjoyed it um i think that they i yeah i enjoyed it i thought it was funny because like they like the scripting was funny and then they would show like actual news clips of the year Mm -hmm. and then you'd be like oh is is real (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, so i enjoyed it but not gonna go into that too much um but definitely worth the watch in my opinion um okay and then yeah, so we all kind of did our own separate thing, and then we came together in the living room, and we were all just kind of hanging out and um, keeping it chill, you know? Like, I was literally wearing sweatpants and an oversized sweatshirt <laughs> and had, like, no makeup on. Like, this is, like... I mean, as com- you should be for New Year's Eve. Well, in 2020, yeah, man. Oh, especially, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Ring it ring in the new year in comfort. That's that <laughs> <laughs> screw style, man. Ring yeah. it in the new year in comfort. Um, but it was it was kind of funny because we were all just kind of uh hanging out in the living room and then at the so we realized that clock was ticking, man. We we're in the last couple minutes of uh 2020. Yeah. Super stoked. And, and Hulu um, was supposed to be... Do- now, this could be just because I'm not the most tech-savvy person in the planet, which, forgive me, I know I'm a millennial. At me. <laughs> Meh. But Hulu is supposed to be doing, like, a live stream of the New York Ti- like Times Square uh, with the ball drop, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, like seriously like 12:55 like i'm or excuse me 11:55 i'm really cutting it down to the wire and i'm trying to get on my computer to pull up hulu <laughs> and i got stuck in a different time zone what like like so i pulled up hulu and the live stream that it was giving me was like an hour behind oh yeah, and I couldn't That's figure weird. out how to switch it. <laughs> yeah. And so the clock strikes midnight, and I'm literally <laughs> c- 
crouching <laughs> over my computer like some kind of goblin. <laughs> trying uh. to figure out technology. <laughs> <laughs> um so that was that was hilarious. I just thought that that was very fitting for me, and I enjoyed that tidbit. And I also enjoyed the fact that I was able to kind of spend some time with my roommates because, like, we all have such different schedules that, like, we don't see each other very often. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I that's my fun thing is, like, being able to hang out with the roomies to ring in the new year. And uh, also the specific position that I was in. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and the clock struck midnight. Uh-huh. Oh dear. Yeah. Uh, what? <laughs> what was uh, uh, your fun thing, Sir Bradley Callahan? Well, how how I rang in the new year uh, first. Well, yes, that also as a, as, a, as a separate thing. Uh, we, I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty chill as well. We, we just, we played poker pretty much oh, heck <laughs> all yeah. night, uh, up until the time we like, we turned on the, we turned on the TV right, right when the ball was supposed to drop or a little bit before. Uh-huh. And it was like, it was just super depressing because they, the news coverage like was just like they, in the top corner, they had like. It, just a live stream of the ball just kind of sitting there waiting to drop but then on the rest of the screen they were just like going through like here's all of the terrible things that happened this year and you're like i don't want to watch that <laughs> like i'm sitting here like trying to be happy that we're in a new year and like putting all that stuff behind us you know like i don't want to be thinking about all the terrible things that happened this year as i'm ringing in the new year <laughs> Like, I want to leave the baggage in the past, man. Exactly. I don't want to take it with me. I don't want to think about it. If it's not in the brain, it's not coming into the new year. So we left it on the TV, but we didn't really watch it. We went into the kitchen and, <laughs> and hung out till, till, till the ball dropped. And oh we, we did get to see the ball drop. But Good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely an odd New Year's celebration, but just yeah. sort of the odd... Odd time in general, so but yeah. Very uh, my fun thing though has been uh I feel like my fun things lately have just have all been like pop culture, but my <laughs> my fun There's thing wrong with that. recently has been watching the show Queen's Gambit. <gasps> Dude, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. Like every single part of it is amazing. <laughs> The writing is good. The the casting is good. The cinematography is good. The score is good. Costume like every design, the costume design is design. is so good. Ugh. Oh yeah, Off it's just, it's it's very it's just a very well done show. Yeah, man. Um, and I love Anya Taylor Joy. She's mm-hmm. great in it. Oh, um, yes. and they use her weird looking, attractive face very well mm-hmm. in the cinematography. Uh, yeah, she's got a very unique look. I she does. I love her. Oof. Yeah, yeah she's I great. Also, <laughs> so over the course, when I was watching Queen's Gambit, they mm. definitely make her dainty fingers like a very big part. It. You're not the first person to say this to me. I. I guess I like looking back. I've noticed it, but I haven't really noticed it. <laughs> but I remember before I watched it that my sister mentioned the exact same thing that they really like really point out her fingers. And I was like, really? And she was like, yeah. not in like a weird way, but just. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah she has she, just everything about her is just so like weird and unique. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. It, it just kind of when I was watching it, like I, I have always thought and felt that my hands are kind of meaty man hands <laughs> like meaty man hands yes like they're like man hands you do like, not have meaty man hands <laughs> but they're like shrunken down to be like female i mean 
I don't have dainty slender fingers, is what I'm saying. And that gives me the sense that I have. We've talked about this before, haven't we? We man hands. <laughs> I've always felt that way. Um, and it doesn't help that I like consistently have very short nails. Um, but, <laughs> but like watching Queen's Gambit, like that was one of those things there. I was just like dang like my fingers are stumps <laughs> <laughs> but yeah she she's just got like very i uh, her look is fantastic but yeah her hands are so elegant and dainty and i love it but uh, that show is fantastic i love that you're watching it i'm so happy for you <laughs> I, I haven't finished yet it's so good I think Ooh. I have like two or three more episodes. I I would ask you like what's going on where you're at, but I don't want to spoilers for y'all listening. So True. Good point. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, if you haven't if you haven't watched it, watch it. It's good. Yes, do it. It's- I was kind of on the fence about it myself because I'm not one who usually likes shows that that show appears to be. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I, I've, I really like it a lot. So, yeah, I, I agree. I like, I'm glad that you didn't really have to understand chess necessarily. Like, yeah, I understand chess. I've played it before. I can play it, but I'm, I'm not a master chess player oh, no. by any means. I, not at all. <laughs> I don't know any kind of like tactics and blah, blah, blah. Like, uh, uh-uh. uh. But, you know, like, you don't have to, don't let that steer you away from watching this incredible piece of work, because it's so good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, what is your topic? My topic today um, is is the origin of a very popular idiom that is the term dressed to the nines. (laughs) (laughs) i'm 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 so excited by the fact that this is apparently big enough to be an entire topic oh dude i'm just i'm so i'm so excited to hear more about this so this this is not something i ever would have how did you come to this topic this is not something i ever would have sat down and thought i bet there's tons of information (laughs) about the origin of this phrase (laughs) (laughs) um well yeah so so I, I came up with the idea. I was having a conversation with Nick and I was like, you know, being me and being a goof. And I said, oh, ha, ha, dressed to the nines. And Nick was like, sure. isn't it dressed to the tens? What? <laughs> and I was like, no, no. And he's like, I always thought it was dressed to the tens because like 10 out of 10. And then he said that. And I was like, have I been wrong my whole life? <laughs> Because that makes sense. That makes sense in the same way that, like, Joey Tribbiani saying that it's a moo point. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like like a cow's opinion. It's moo. (laughs) I mean, fair. But at the same time, I don't know. Like, he said that. And I was like, I mean, I didn't know where the term came from at at that point. I was like yeah like nine's not the highest number like what where the heck does that come like nine felt super arbitrary after he said that so i was like must find answers um you know so my 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 desire to fork was um peaked i guess that's weird Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) that was that was quite a sentence (laughs) yes (laughs) oh my goodness um but yeah, I mean, like, where, with that, like, what do you, what do you think it, it's from, Bradley? I, for, you know, for some reason, I don't think I've ever, like, identified this, but I've always known it and felt it. Dressed to the nines, to me, has always, like, been related to golf. Oh! 
Like I've always thought it was related to golf, like dressed to the nines, like the ninth hole, I guess, was where my brain was at. Like, like a nine hole versus an 18 hole. That's, I I don't know why. I've just always related it to, to golf, like dressed to the nines. Like you're going dressed, you're dressed fancy to go golfing, I guess, because it's a rich man's sport. Right. Right. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I've, um, unfortunately I didn't come across anything that, (laughs) <laughs> uh, okay. <was> well. <laughs> um, sorry, spoilers. Um, That's but yeah, right. I I feel that like I I I feel like that kind of makes sense for where I used to think that it came from. That makes a lot of sense. Like nine is such a number that's associated with golf, and you do like there's a very strict golf dress code. But yeah, going into where it comes from long story short no one's really positive (laughs) (laughs) but there's a lot there's a couple theories um one theory that we'll just throw away immediately is a (laughs) theory one theory that's total bullshit (laughs) (laughs) yes definitely Um, is not the answer (laughs) Is that um, the term dress to the nines came from, like, in order to make a very nice full suit, it took nine yards of fabric, which is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> that is an obscene amount of fabric <laughs> for a yeah. suit. Um, realistically, I, I did a very brief Google search because um, everything that I was finding was saying that, like, yeah, nine yards of fabric for a suit is total BS. Like, they just threw it away, but they didn't tell me how much fabric went into a suit. So I like briefly looked into that. Some quick Googling suggests that average, depending on the size of the person that you're making your suit for, um, five to six yards of fabric is going to be what you're looking at there. Like to make like a three piece suit. Okay. Yeah. That, that, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. And then there's... I mean, even from there, like the style of suit, like what kind, you know, right? (laughs) there's a lot that even goes into that. If you're wanting to do a patterned fabric and then you have to arrange your pattern pieces for pattern matching um, so that all of the lines go across from from the shoulder into the sleeve, all all nice and pretty like Um, Mm -hmm. that's going to take a little more fabric because you're not able to line the pieces up like perfectly um Mm -hmm. when you're cutting out the pieces but yeah long story short that particular theory total bullshit officially debunked debunked (laughs) um another uh theory that may or may not have some ground okay uh, is that uh the term dressed to the nines um, kind of came from the 99th Wiltshire uh, Regiment uh, back in the 18, mid 1800s ish. Um, <clears throat> this particular regiment made a name for themselves uh, because they were so well dressed all the time. <laughs> and because they were the 99th, Okay. Um, you know, that's where dressed to the nines that that may have pulled some inspiration. However, there have been like there there's some instances of the term dressed to the nines being used before they kind of got their name for themselves. So it gets a little chicken eggy. In mm-hmm. that, um, chicken like, eggy. <laughs> in that, um, the Wiltshire, like the 99th Wiltshire Regiment, could have gotten their like their nickname, the Nines, um, either from like their 99th uh, in their title, of course, but also from the term "dressed to the Nines," like that worked well, or them being the 99th Wiltshire Regiment could have, like, propelled 
dressed to the nines to be more commonly used, if that makes sense. Okay. So, little bit chicken eggy. <laughs> little bit chicken eggy. Yeah. You know how it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but from that, I mean, really, realistically, what it comes down to, and, and that's specifically referring to the exact term dressed to the nines and um like if you look at the oxford sure. dictionary the, the the specific term dressed to the nines is kind of that's dating back to like the 1830s ish but okay. the term to the nines meaning like perfection and things like that mm-hmm. um existed for quite a while before then so that gotcha yeah, it kind of comes down to like dressed to the nines was saying dressed to perfection, but the term right. for to perfection had already existed. Sure. <laughs> um, so where does to the nines come from and why the heck isn't it 10? I must know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and do you? Uh, I don't know. Well, yeah, <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, so... The earliest recorded um, use of the term to the nines is from a piece of Scottish writing in 1719. Uh, it's the Epistle to Ramsey by William Hamilton. Um, the specific line here um, is, The body lines therein thou sent me, how to the nines they did content me. So if you, you know, replace to the nines with perfectly like how perfectly they did content me. So it it Mm -hmm. makes exact sense there. And that's again, the specific like format of to the nines. Um, Yeah. Quite a few writers and poets um, used it after 1719, but 1719, that piece of writing there is the, the first use recorded of the exact term to the nines now sure why nine still i'm not there yet yeah (laughs) a lot of theories there but the one that i found um that that seems to have the most ground although it's not it's still kind of shaky is that the nines is referring to the nine muses of arts and learning in Greek mythology. Okay. Yeah. Which, when you look at that um, in, in context with uh, the, the line from William Hamilton's bit there, um, he's referring to a piece of writing. And, like, the Bonnie lines, like the text, is how I read that. Although... I could be wrong. I'm going to put a very heavy asterisk there <laughs> because I tried really hard to find the full epistle to Ramsey and I couldn't. Sure. <laughs> now, again, I don't know if I'm just technologically like struggling, but from the Googling that I did before I got too frustrated to just move on with it, um, <laughs> I couldn't find it. So, I mean, I'm sure I could pay some money somewhere and get the full thing, but sure. didn't really want to right now. But that's how I read those two lines is that he's referring to writing. Um, so okay. when you look back. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, when you look back at even like writing before 1719, um, you'll see that writers and poets often will appeal to the nine muses to help them tell their story. They'll use them for inspiration and all that good stuff. Like Homer in the Odyssey um, appeals to the nine muses, um, you know, that kind of thing. They use them for, you know, trying to, <laughs> trying to do the thing well, <laughs> to do yeah. the writing thing well. Um, even good old Willie Shakes. William Shakespeare has referenced um, the nine muses as well. So while there's not a direct connection that people have been able to find, 
um, from the nine muses and references to the nine muses. And then suddenly the term to the nines, meaning perfection. Still a little shaky. But that seems to be the one that like makes the most sense. Yeah, I mean, it might be a little shaky, but that that really seems to check out for me at least. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I I am satisfied I, with that answer. Yeah, I mean, so since um, and I was reading on uh, one of my sources was today I learned um since this since the term to the nine seems to be of like Scottish origin, um they we're like, well, what do the Scots think? Um, And there was like a very, another very shaky example is like a reference to bowling where like nine is the best bowl, but that like has no evidence. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I didn't look much into that one. Pulling something out of your ass, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like that that was something that it, it was mentioned so briefly and it like they said that it didn't seem to have many legs to stand on and the nine muses makes a lot more sense to me. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. So that's where it comes from. So there's no like nine out of ten, ten out of ten thing that has to happen at all. Nine is it. There's only wow. nine muses. There's not ten. So being dressed to the nines is like, that's all of it, man. <laughs> that's the whole package. That's the whole deal. That's the whole nine yards. Oh, oh, no. oh, oh, oh. That's the whole nine fucking yards <laughs> <laughs> to make Dude. a suit. <laughs> you know, okay, that, that phrase, in, while I was reading, when it mentioned the nine yards for the suit... Um, it yeah. mentioned that phrase as well. And it was like, this nine yards for a suit is also commonly referred to as the origin of like the whole nine yards. Um, but they kind of quickly discounted it. And because I wasn't looking into that phrase, maybe later. <laughs> um, uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, but like they, they kind of said like, because nine yards for a suit isn't really legit, the whole nine yards. Is- right. Yeah, that's Probably also not debunked. That. Yeah. Whoever thought the nine yards of fabric to make a suit, they, they just... <laughs> they had really baggy suits back in the day. I mean, they did. If they did. Like, <laughs> old pictures of mobsters. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Those are fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's where Dress to the Nines came from. Nice. Dude. Yeah. What's what's your thing? What's your fact? Your fun fact fork. <laughs> my my fun fact fork is a fun fact fork that honestly it should have been done a long time ago. Oh. My fun fact fork is forks. <gasps> what? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost disappointed in myself. I know. I'm disappointed in myself too that it didn't happen sooner. (laughs) I was a little bit, I was genuinely actually a little bit afraid that (laughs) when I thought of this, I was like, this is so obvious that I was so scared that you might actually have the same topic as me. (laughs) Oh my, okay. This makes, I, this makes sense. I feel like we had this conversation where we were like, oh, I think you have the same topic. And I'm like, no, nope, I'm just a yeah. <laughs> Um. Oh my goodness. Well, you know what? New year, new fork, fork facts. Let's fork go. facts. <laughs> Are you ready for some fast fork facts? Okay, I'm getting way too fast, into this. Fast fork facts with Brad. <laughs> All right, I am ready. Let's do this. Okay. So the... So to begin with, the origin of the fork, there, I mean, there's not like a clearly defined origin of the fork, sadly. Damn. Uh, the, the earliest record of forks comes from ancient Egypt, China, and Greece. You know, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they, yeah. Were, they were typically carved from like bone or, or wood, and um, they were actually pretty big. 
they were made to be quite large um, <laughs> for prime for primary use in eating and serving food. Um, there is also like pitchforks and all of that, and I think those came before forks uh, being used as a utensil, um, as a way you know for for you know moving hay and other such things. Like pitchforks were just for like transportation and that like, tra- transporting one thing <laughs> things from one place to another um, more easily. But then they kind of adapted them and they became sort of the utensil. Um, not quite the utensil we know today, but similar. What was different about them? Was it, I mean, aside from, okay, backtrack. When you say that these were large forks, mm-hmm. <laughs> do you have any idea on like the size? Like, was this a fork so big that you had to use two hands? <laughs> I didn't, I didn't get an exact size, but <laughs> okay. the, from all the places that I read that when they said large, they, they said quite large. Ooh. So, so they had to have been at like a, a at least a decent size, you know, like I love that. Bring back least, the giant fork, like at least three times bigger than the forks we use. If it's any smaller than a large like salad tossing fork, I'm disappointed. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah, it's got to be at least that big. <laughs> I love that. I love the like the idea of like sitting down to eat spaghetti with a massive fork. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine all the spaghetti you could you could twirl on that thing. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yes, I'm here for it. Bring back the big forks. <laughs> Hashtag bring back big forks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, if and then if they were different from what they are today, like, are you talking like structurally or like? No, I mean not not. Not largely. Um, the The biggest difference was the materials used to make them and the size of them. Okay. Um, and obviously, they weren't as classically shaped as we as they are today. You know. Okay. Um, they were probably a little bit more like crude and like kind of what you'd expect to find in ancient Egypt, China, and Greece. Fair enough. Like someone uh, hand carved. Right. Exactly. Like yeah. A pokey thing. Basically, like it, they weren't they weren't necessarily trying to make something like fancy to put on the dinner table. It was more like for practical use. Of, I need to I need to get this thing off the plate and into my mouth without using my hands. <laughs> I need a sharp food shovel. Yes, a sharp food <laughs> shovel. Exactly. I love it. Uh, it wasn't until the rise of the Roman Empire that forks started to be made from uh, metals like bronze and silver. Okay. Uh, forks became more common in the 4th century uh, like Byzantine Empire, where they were most often used by higher class individuals. Fair. I mean, I guess metal is expensive and shiny, right. and we associate mm-hmm. value with shiny things. Uh, by the ninth century, it had made its way to Persia, where it was used only by like elite circles again. So like upper class. Share the fork, man. Yeah, Come I know. On. Well, uh, mostly the the well, mostly just across the board, but um, in these areas as well, uh, like the poor poorer classes um, would use just kind of like knives, like any kind of like sharp knife. Um, to eat and that was kind of the the common utensil that everyone would use and there's actually a lot of evidence that like that people would like bring their own knives to feasts like it wasn't just like accepted that they people would like give you a knife to eat with you just you'd have a knife on you and so when you would go to eat at like your friend's house you would bring your eating knife with you that also like low-key the origin of the pocket knife like <laughs> maybe <laughs> i mean it's it's, it's effective food. for eating and it's also effective for self-defense you know <laughs> <laughs> i love that oh my goodness well i mean that also kind of makes i mean you see all like the movies with like pirates or you know yeah everyone's just carrying yeah. a weapon and then yeah. like there's always the image of someone like eating an apple with a knife yeah 
and it's so bad that's like an image that i love now of course we eat apples with forks yeah i mean like decent human beings i dig out chunks with a fork like a normal person you like shred it and make apple spaghetti yeah exactly i just kind of just carve away at it with my fork until it's edible until i can scoop it almost applesauce is what i'm looking for yeah i mean that's like what you do (laughs) right you like use the peel to be like a makeshift bowl and then you sauce the apple you (laughs) sauce the apple (laughs) i i appreciate the use of sauce as a verb (laughs) it it felt it felt right yeah uh by the 10th century it was pretty. It was a pretty commonplace utensil all across Eastern Europe and the Middle East. Uh, now, while Eastern Europe was using forks during the Middle Ages, uh, Central and Western Europe were still primarily using their hands and or knives to eat with. Um, now, primarily the knives, though, at this point were still only being used by like wealthy men. Okay. Wait, so you're telling me that even the common folk didn't have, like, knives? I think they may have, like, had knives. They probably didn't have very nice knives. So they weren't like, if, great. If it was, like, you know, they probably had, like, wooden knives and things like that. You know, so but for the most part, they just didn't even, like, from what I'm imagining, they probably didn't weren't even really thinking, like, oh, like, eating with knives. They were just like, why wouldn't I just eat with my hands? Um, Fair enough. Because it wasn't, it wasn't commonplace enough to have eating utensils yet in the world that people were just like, I'm just going to eat with my hands naturally. Cause that's. You can what eat I have. an apple with your hands. You don't true. need a utensil. I, I get that. All right. I'm on board. <laughs> Applesauce is a little trickier, but it's still possible. Well, you make applesauce in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> monster oh dear <laughs> okay uh the poorer class would primarily use their hands as we as we said uh though though they did have oh look i have notes on this they did have metal, wooden and metal spoons um but they didn't yeah. have forks or knives okay uh so they they, they could still scoop the applesauce Good. <laughs> but if there was spaghetti they're eating that with their hands <laughs> You know, that's all right. I mean, your hand is like a big flexible fork anyway, so. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Forks were finally brought to Central Europe by two Byzantine princesses who married wealthy Europeans. uh, And their names are Empress Theophanu and Dagoressa Theodora Anna Duquena Selvo. That's a long name. Yeah. Yeah. And this was in the year 1075. This did not, however, spread forks widely. uh, And the majority of Central Europe continued to ignore forks for about 300 years after that. (laughs) And forks didn't even really take off in Central Europe until uh, 1533 with the marriage of French King Henry II to Italian noblewoman Catherine de' Medici. <laughs> You're telling yes. me that a wedding, like um, a marriage, mm-hmm. had an impact on the usage of forks. It did. Because like, she just like demanded to have it at her wedding dinner or something. Like, well, well, here, here's why. So, so Italian noble women had already kind of adopted the use of forks. Okay. Uh, and so that was pretty common with Italian noble women specifically. And so... Exactly. <laughs> and so with with this marriage, Catherine de' Medici brought forks with her and was like, oh, I, I mean, obviously I'm going to continue to eat with forks. Mm-hmm. And continued to do that and kind of brought that tradition over to France. 
and just kind of because of the way that things worked back then, uh, since she did that, it quickly became super popular in all of France for people to start using forks. Ah, uh, yes. What's interesting, though, is that at this point, most forks were uh, only two-pronged. So, like, <laughs> the kind of forks that you, like, stick in ham, you know? <laughs> I love that. Or, like, fondue forks. <laughs> little dainty yeah, exactly. Little two-pronged. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, hardly forks, really. <laughs> Practically skewers. Uh, forks didn't really become three and four pronged until the 1600s and 1700s. What prompted that? It was like this. This needs another leg. I don't. I don't know. Uh, there was like some stuff about like maybe it's uh, to do with like keeping the food on the fork. Like the like two prongs wasn't enough, ah. and so more prongs would. I don't even know. Like give you more. Like more just, more grip. Fair enough. Are we like just evolving until like we get five, six, seven pronged forks? Like eventually we're eating with essentially what what we know today is like a comb. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> like so. A, a small. I mean, that's what that's what scientists steak. are saying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, the more prongs you have, like I, I'm still stuck on spaghetti. The more prongs you have, the more you can, the more noodles you can tangle up. Yes. You know, it's a like very. I, I very can't even imagine eating spaghetti yeah. with two a two pronged fork. You know that would suck. You you would only be able to like twirl one noodle. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it would be it's it's about as effective as eating spaghetti with a spoon, honestly. Yeah, that's rough, man. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's, maybe that's what prompted the extra prongs. Gotta eat spaghetti. <laughs> yeah, you gotta eat spaghetti. You gotta find a way to eat spaghetti, man. Oh my goodness. <laughs> what I what I thought was really fascinating though is most of Europe uh, didn't really begin using forks until the mid 18th century, but even then, British sailors in as recent as 1897 were still not using forks because they considered them to be too quote-unquote unmanly oh (laughs) like forks were considered to be like a feminine utensil and knives were like the man's utensil i'm gonna eat with my hands and i'm gonna eat with this knife in my pocket (laughs) i mean i get that like especially if the wide usage of forks was prompted by a woman like i can see how sure that connotation would like of femininity and like not getting your hands dirty and like like falling into all of that stuff that's like stereotypically feminine like Mm. i i understand how a fork could be (laughs) construed as um as like a feminine thing oddly like if i'm really looking at it i can i can understand it I just, it's still, it's just, it's so funny as somebody who has not lived in a world without forks being commonplace. Yeah. To consider that forks were at one time considered to be like a a feminine, like womanly thing that <laughs> is like shameful for a man to use a fork. <laughs> how degrading. How, how I know. Can you imagine? <laughs> Just imagine, like, the toxic masculinity if that was, like, still a thing. Like, like people like, I refuse to use a fork. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That's funny. That's really interesting. By the early 19th century, though, um, so early, like, 1800s, forks were pretty firmly established on all of French tables. Um, France was kind of the, the, the primary, like the, the home for forks, um, in Europe, I should say, not, not across the board. And as we, it, as we start to get into like the 20th century and start getting closer to like modern day, um, really in the, in the 20th century, forks kind of exploded, uh, <laughs> and they started to become easier to make, which meant that they started to make many 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 different kinds of forks oh boy i know yeah 
there's there's a lot. <laughs> um, I will not get into that <laughs> because there's there's they made like forks specific for like different meals. Oh, I mean, like I knew that there's like a there's a salad fork. Right, and... there's a salad fork. Like, there, but that there's like so many different ones though for so many different things, and it's it's ridiculous and. They're all, they all have their own specific styles and designs and looks to them. And wow. but, but like but looking at all of them though, you'd look at all of them and go, I mean, there's like slight differences and there's certain ones where you're kind of like, I could see how that's maybe more useful for salad or more useful for, for this or that. But for the most part, I'm really just looking at a bunch of like fancy looking forks. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like they're all they're all still pretty much just forks with different designs. Oh my goodness. That's so interesting. Yeah. I uh, love that. Crazy fact about Ooh. that is and what is this is what I'll finish with. This kind of started to get a little bit out of hand, uh, mm-hmm. to the point that in nineteen twenty six the Secretary of Commerce, which was Herbert Hoover at the time. <laughs> Okay. And the Sterling Silver Manufacturers limited the number of different types of diningware that one could that 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 could exist to 55. 55? Yes. That's insane. And, and it, it was limited? It was limited 55? to 55. That means that there were a lot more <laughs> than that that people were like just coming up with. That is like fancy dinnerware. And they were like, okay, this is getting a little crazy. We can't manufacture this many different types of diningware for all of these individuals to have. Like, let's tone it down to 55. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's, that's so extra. I love it. I know. Yeah. It's crazy. Like something so simple as a fork. (laughs) well and it's it's such a stark contrast to looking at the history of forks you know like how how it's crazy to me how how recent forks really are like Uh they're not because they've technically been around for years and years and years but they weren't really like actually adopted and used as a commonplace utensil until like i mean like the past 200 years wow yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Like, like it's such a basic thing. Yeah, and it's still so, like, new. Yeah, and it's it's like it's something that you don't even think about. You know, it's just like a part of daily life. Yeah, and it seems so primitive too. You know. Yeah, because it's not like cars, where like, yeah, cars just seem so like you don't even think about. It. It's just a part of daily life. But like, yeah, mm-hmm. we haven't had cars for that long, but like a fork it's a fork right (laughs) you know like (laughs) seems so simple like of course forks have been around forever right but no like for a long long time people just ate with their hands and with knives yeah that's crazy and it wasn't until recently that people started making podcasts (laughs) (laughs) i mean fair and and Similar, similar to how the fork popped off and there's so many different kinds of fork. There's so many different kinds of podcast. That's beautiful. What a way to, what a way to close the episode. I hate myself sometimes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for yes. coming back after our hiatus. Yeah, We're excited to be jumping out. back in. It's been quite a while for it us. It feels good. Um, man. It feels good yeah. to fork. It feel it feels good to fork. <laughs> it feels forking good. <laughs> nothing Ooh. nothing quite like that that fork feeling. Ooh. Oh, what a forking feeling. Uh, well, if you uh, have any questions, comments, concerns, fact checks, uh, just want to check in on like our mental sanity, uh, see if we're got a screw or two or maybe a fork loose or something like that. Um, 
feel free to <laughs> to email us um, over at <laughs> forkpodcast at gmail.com. So that's fork, like the utensil we just learned so much about. Uh, podcast, what you're listening to, uh, at gmail, the email provider dot com. <laughs> And thank you to Kevin McLeod for letting us use his song, Happy Boy End Theme. You can Kevin. find a link to that song in the episode description. I love Kevin, like, his work is just coming up. Like, now that we know about him, I am just discovering his work all over the place. Like, there's a lot of podcasts that, that use him. I know that last time we talked about how, you know, we... I, I discovered that all of his music was on Roll20. You know, he's just... He's a national treasure. Thank you, Kevin, for being you. Never change. <laughs> well, that's it. Yes. That's the end. Have a forking fantastic week. Um, Have I a forking year. Yeah. Yeah, I hope that your new year is like a brand new shiny fork. Um, that's... What what kind of fork, Michelle? <laughs> you know, of the 55 options, I really don't know. Choose your fork, man. Choose yeah. your fork. Let, don't, don't, don't let someone box 2021 in yeah. for you to be just a salad fork. You know, maybe, maybe you want a nice, like, spaghetti yeah. fork. Yeah, like... Maybe you want 2021 to be a spaghetti Choose fork. Choose your fork and roll with it, man. Embrace Choose your fork, the fork and roll with but it. But watch the prongs. We don't want anyone scared. Like May the bad. fork be with you. <laughs> yes. May the fork be with you always. <laughs> and also with you. <laughs> <laughs>